4. Everyone say Luke 14 and John 4. You can turn to those two places, hold, your, uh, hold them, hang on, I'll be there in a little bit, but I want to just introduce to you and maybe do a little quick review for you on what we're sharing here on Sunday morning. We're talking about being what? I got my wife and a few others. Let's try that again. Let's see how sharp you are this morning. We're talking about being contagious Christians. It's important to be contagious. Sadly, a lot of God's people are not very contagious. Uh, And we're going to turn that around. We're going to change. We talked about the fact in Matthew chapter 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. A little quick review. I want you to just follow with me for just a moment. The Sermon on the Mount is the first sermon Jesus preached. It's really about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. And the first thing he says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he says it's the Beatitudes. Everybody say B. Beatitudes. And it says, says, blessed are. Everybody say blessed. That word blessed means very happy. How many of you know believers and followers of Christ ought to be very happy? Sadly, we find a lot of people, they look like they're, they call themselves Christians, but they look like they've been what? They've been baptized in pickle juice. We've got to turn that around. So we see Jesus' first sermon. He says, listen, you as believers, disciples, you go, you're, you're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Everybody say, very happy. All God's people say, ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Some of you came in here, you, you are, you're camouflaged misery. You're smiling on the outside, but things going on on the inside. Listen, as God's people, we're supposed to be happy, happy, happy. Amen? But then the next thing he says, now, he says, okay, believers, you're very happy. But then he identifies who we are. He gives us two illustrations. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the... Everyone say, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Now, those illustrations reveal what we're talking about, about being contagious. There are things that have influence on others and we are the light of the world. And Jesus' first concern when he said, now, everybody say, happy, happy, happy. The next thing he says, this is who you are. He, he, He didn't say, this is who you're supposed to be. This is who you are. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. And then his first concern about once he identified who we are as salt and light, people of influence, people who are contagious, the first concern he has that we would lose our influence and lose our contagiousness, if that's a word. He said, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot by men. Then he said, you're the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill, but you can't hide it under a bushel. No. No. Any Baptists in the house, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. His concern was that we would be ineffective and non-contagious. That's the first thing he, out of his mouth after he said, hey, happy, 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 blessed are and this is who you are, salt and light. But hey, you gotta, the warning is don't be ineffective and non-contagious because you are to be contagious. Now, fast forward for, let's say, three years, uh, 40 days and a few days. Jesus has died, buried, and rose again. He spent time with the church. 
He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. You can read it in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. You know the story. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church in Acts chapter 2. And Peter gets up to preach. And the church is born. And 3,000, then four and 5,000 people are born again. I'm telling you, we're talking about contagious. I mean, it's happening. And the first thing that happens when the contagion of Christianity begins to spread, the religious leaders of the day got all nervous. And by the way, they're under the spell of the Antichrist spirit. And they called them in on the carpet and arrested them, Peter and John, I believe. And they threatened them. And they said, see that it, that, that it spreads no further. We don't, everyone say, so that it spreads no further. They said, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Could I tell you today, we still live under that same spell of the enemy trying to suppress the church and keep her from being what God's called her to be. And that's the first, that's the first battle that the church uh, fought after the power of the Holy Spirit was the pressure to shut up. The pressure to not be influential. The pressure just to go with the flow and not be what God calls us to be. Hey, sit over there in the corner, sit down, shut up and be quiet and just wait till whenever. But don't ever speak in the name of Jesus again. Interesting to me that Jesus knew exactly what the first battle the church would face would be. And that is the pressure from the Antichrist spirit to keep our, keep our impact and keep our contagious nature uh, uh, under the spell of the pressure of the Antichrist spirit in the world. How many of you know, have, have felt that pressure in your life? You see, the Antichrist concern is contagious Christians. He's concerned about that and he's, and he's been threatening. He's been, he's been attacking. He's been undermining the church from that day until now to keep us quiet. But I'm, I came to tell you. We need to turn the tide on that, on that spirit and say, hey, just like the disciples said, hey, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to speak or not speak, you, hey, you can be the judge. But listen, we can't help but say and share what we've both seen and heard. And then they gathered together in a prayer meeting and they began to pray and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they said, Lord, you keep doing what you're doing. You keep doing miracles and we'll keep sharing the gospel. And then the Bible says, the Holy Spirit came upon them and the place, somebody grabbed their chair or something, the place was shaken. So let's just fake it till we make it. Come on. The place where they were gathered was shaken and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with what? Somebody say boldness. That's what God wants to do in our life. Look, touch your neighbor and say, Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness. Come on, somebody say it. Fill us with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we've been. And this morning, I got a feeling that all that I have to say, I may not get through it all. I promise not to cram it in. We've got more time. But this morning, I want you to keep that in mind and realize that, hey, we've got an enemy trying to suppress the truth and trying to undermine the purpose of God for the church We've got an enemy that is threatening us to speak no more in the name of Jesus. But I'm telling you, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, when we resist that antichrist spirit and we stand up and say, this is who I am. I am salt and I am light. This is not what I want to be. This is not what I'm working to be. This is who I am. I'm a contagious Christian 
And that's what I am. Somebody say amen. Well, I want to give you that illustration a little further today. I want you to turn in Luke chapter 14. And we're going to look at a parable. You know a parable is a simple illustration, a simple short story to illustrate, if you will, a spiritual truth. And Jesus spoke in parables. He talked in parables. And, you know, you need to understand, you can't develop doctrine, per se, out of just a parable. But parables can undergird the doctrine of the Word of God and the teaching. It's just a spiritual illustration. It's just a natural illustration to, to teach a spiritual truth. And here it is. And it's about being contagious. It's about being uh, intentional with, our, with uh, the evangelism that God has put upon our hearts. Here we go. The parable of the Great Supper, verse 15, uh, it says, And when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then he said to them, that is Jesus, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his su- servant at supper at, at time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they, are, they all with one accord began to make excuses. Have you ever heard an excuse? Anybody ever made excuses? Well, I can't, you know, it's like the old song. I was tempted to play that today, but it doesn't quite. If you've ever heard the old-timey song, the excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. Well, the devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses something about that. And then he offers them excuses. Like, then one line says, the whole family had to stay home just to blow that poor kid's nose. <laughs> hey, that was better than a video, right? Hey, and Jesus said, they all had excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it and ask uh, you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, well, that'll make a preacher sad. I'm telling you to hear all these excuses. He said, still another said, I've married a wife. Well, that might be a pretty good excuse. I don't know, but we'll move on. I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly and into the streets and the lanes and the city and bring them here, the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges. Somebody say highways and hedges. And compel them. Somebody say compel them. To co- compel them to come into the end of my house that it may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. It's a spiritual illustration to share a spiritual truth. There's a lot there. Here, let me give you one. It's not in your notes. Let me give you one spiritual truth I learned. Don't let the no people keep you from the yes people. How many of you have ever met a no person? There's a lot of no people. No, thank you. They got a big wall up. You try to share G. No, no, thank you. Hey, that's okay. It's cool. But how many of you know you can't let the no people keep you from the yes people? And there were some no people. There were people who had excuses. Listen, I want to tell you, as we move, especially towards Friend Day, March 15th, as we've been praying for your friends and asking God to touch their life, I promise you the Holy Spirit is working in their life. And any preconceived notion you might have, you need to lay it down. Because listen, prayer changes the heart of men. But even if they say no, don't let the no people keep you from the yes people. Don't use this excuse. Well, I invited them. They said no. Listen, 
How many of you know there, there, for every no person, there's got to be a ever, hey, let's just, let's just put it in the no people's, for every three no's, there's got to be a yes. Come on now. And so there's some yes people in your life. Don't let the no people keep you from the yes people. Keep praying for the no people because one day they may say yes. Don't ever give up. Aren't you glad nobody ever gave up on you? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give up on you? So that's one principle. But here's what I want you to catch this. And, And it is this. The intentionality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Catch this. The spread of the gospel cannot be merely from casual contact. It has to become intentional. Everyone say intentional. That's what I want the word I want to set up in your system today. The, the spreading of the gospel cannot be merely from casual contact. You can't catch the Jesus just by hanging around believers. Just because somebody's smiling and goes to church does not guarantee that you're going to be infected or you're going to be infectious. It has to become intentional. Everyone say intentional. That's what we see from this parable. The the reality is you've got to get out there and you've got to compel them to come. We've got to become intentional with our evangelistic effort in this day we live in. Are you with me? I love Billy Graham. He's still alive. More people come to Christ through his ministry than you can name. But how many of you know we can't rely upon Billy Graham? We've got to be intentional with our spiritual witness. How many of you, someone was intentional with you and witnessing to you and sharing the, being contagious with you? Come on, let me see your hand. If you know there was someone got up all, they became a nosy pepper in your life. They got jalapeno business and began to share Christ with you. Come on, lift your hand. I want to see them. Hey, thank God for people who are intentional in their witness for you. How could we think that it would be any other way with our friends or family? It has to become intentional. And so you and I need to understand that intentional means something done on purpose, deliberate. How many of you know Jesus was deliberate with with, uh, 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 Peter? Peter was just an old fisherman, right? He got to preach the first Pentecostal message because Jesus was intentional with him. And Jesus got up jalapeno business, jalapeno his business, and he got into his boat, Luke chapter 4 or 5 there, and he was intentional with his influence and impact on Peter's life. Understand something, that's the way we must become with our friends and family. Don't labor them, label them as hopeless. Don't label them as knotheads and, and resistant and no people. Label them as people who are lost and without Christ and who need a Savior. And who God has put you in their life to be an intentional witness and influence in their life. Everybody say, I am salt and I am light. Amen. And so we've got to be intentional. Sadly, much of the church's limited impact, I could, you could almost consider it accidental rather than intentional. Let me explain because I don't think anybody accidentally gets saved. Let me just use Linda as an example. I don't know the story. If I get this story kind of right, then she'll, she'll, you know, she, I don't know what all happened in her life, but she came to herself one day and said, I need to give my life to Christ. She walked into the door and got saved. We, we celebrate that. I didn't invite her, but I helped lead her to Christ. Now, that's not accidental. The Holy Spirit led her here. But let me say, and no one accidentally gets saved. But what do you think happens 
When the Holy Spirit, and I believe this, the Holy Spirit every day gives us opportunity to be, to be evangelistic, right? What if we began to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and began to become intentional with our evangelistic outreach and concern for the world? What do you think would begin to happen? There would be a multiplied impact of the, uh, for the kingdom of God because of God's people becoming intentional and rather than people just, hey, you know, it's kind of like the old, old country saying, every once in a while an old sow finds an acre, old blind sow or old blind squirrel finds an acre. And, you know, every once in a while somebody gets saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We celebrate that. But I think it's time we become intentional with our spiritual witness and our impact in the world around us. Are you getting adrift with me this morning? And so today, let me just throw some thoughts out for you about the intentionality of evangelism in our life. Number one, you need to realize we were created to be intentional. God created you to be intentional. Hey, you are what? You are salt and you are light. And everywhere you turn and everywhere you look in Scripture, you'll find that God created us not to sit soaking sour, not just to take up space, not to just not to just be a drag, a very draining person on the kingdom of God. Listen, I know a lot of people who call themselves Christians, but all they do is suck the life out of everybody. It's all drain and there's no give. Listen, it's time to turn this thing around and begin to realize, woo, I've been created by God to make a difference in the world. Amen. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians uh, 2.10, he says, we're created as his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And then he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we have been created, born again, to be an intentional witness and impact in the world. We're created to be intentional. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. You've been created to be intentional. You're not an accident. God intentionally made you. And he intentionally made you so you could be an intentional witness and a light in the world and salt in the earth to cause people to want to be born again. You were created to be intentional. Number two, you were commanded. We are commanded to be intentional. How many of you know the Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion? When Jesus' last words before he, he left planet earth, he said, go into all the world. Everybody said, Go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It's not the great suggestion. It is the command of God upon us. We live and we are, and we are bound, if you will, by the command of God. It's the great commandment before it was ever the great commission. We've been commanded by God. Created to be intentional. Commanded to be intentional. And number three, of course, we've been commissioned to be intentional. Matthew 28 is the great commission. God commissions us. He sends us. I mentioned to you in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Oh gosh, all the way down through 14. We are ambassadors for Christ. We've been commissioned as people and light and salt in the earth to go make a difference in the world. We've been commissioned. Everyone say, I've been created, I've been commanded, and I've been commissioned to be an intentional impact in the world. Not accidental. 
Listen, it's God's plan for you and me to intentionally make a difference in the earth. And then number four, we are compelled to be intentional. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.14 says. Paul said this in reference to evangelism. For the love of Christ compels us. Anybody ever had a compulsion? In a good way. I'm compelled. Something got a hold of me. It's the love of Christ inside me that compels me to be intentional with my impact in the earth, to be contagious in this world, to be influential in this world. We're contagious. That's who we are. We're salt and we are light. And so with that in mind, I want you now to look over in John 4. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to let Jesus show us some important things. In John chapter 4, it's the story of the woman at the well. You remember the story. We've talked about it a lot. I'll give it to you quickly. Uh, the disciples are on a journey. And I want to show you this one verse. And then I'm going to kind of uh, paraphrase. Look in verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. Everyone say that. But he needed to go through Samaria. And so they're headed towards Samaria and they stopped by the well, the well there in Samaria. And the disciples went into town. How many of you know if you're having a church meeting, you got to have groceries, right? And so they were hungry and they went on into town and Jesus stood, sat by the well. And this woman comes with her pot to get water. And Jesus asked her a question. He says, give me some water. And he struck up a conversation with her. And lo and behold, they began to discuss. And, and uh, Jesus began to influence her life. And, and he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me to give you living water. And he, he got her curiosity all up. And she began to what, and, and, and talk. And she said, well, I... And, and he said, if you get living water, you'll never thirst again, basically. And she said, ooh, I want me some of that. I don't have to come to this well anymore. She didn't quite get it. And then Jesus said to her, go bring your husband. And she went, oopsie-daisy. Now that's a sore subject. Basically what he said, you don't have one husband, you've had five. And the one you're living with now, you don't even have papers on him. And she got real spiritual, and she said, I perceive thou art a prophet. And then she started being religious and asking religious questions. And he kind of sidestepped that and got right back to the truth. And he said, guess what? You're talking about the Messiah? I am he. And she began to realize she's standing in the presence of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says she went back to town. She left her water pot. Goodness sakes. She left. She, she got totally distracted from the daily routine of life. And she ran back to town and she told everybody, come see a man who told me all the things I ever done. And as she takes off, the disciples come back and they try to talk about eating. And he said, my meat is to do the will of God and finish his work. And, the, the, and then the, the whole city starts coming out and he tells his disciples, lift up your eyes and look. The fields are wide unto harvest and Samaria comes out by the well. They have an evangelistic meeting and the whole city began to turn to Christ. And for two or three days, evangelism erupted all over the city and people were born again and, and, and delivered from sin and became Christ followers because of one little loose woman who Jesus made. He was intentional in his witness and impact in her life. One little quick side note. How many of you know sometimes it's like dominoes? 
You get one, and they start falling like dominoes all around you. When one person gets born again, it's like the, the domino effect, and people begin to come out. And then the, you know what the city said? Now we believe not just because of what you said, because what we heard him say. He was intentional with his impact in their life. And that's what God's looking for in us. Everyone say, must needs go through Samaria. Come on, say it. Must needs go through Samaria. That word, must needs, that's the King James. Hey, contagious Christians are intentional with the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And look here what we, what we see Jesus doing. He was intentional with his commitment with who he was. He said, I must needs go through Jerusalem. Or pardon me, through Samaria. That must needs means necessary because of being bound by something. Must needs. Everybody say must needs. It means I have to do this because I'm duty bound. Everyone say duty bound. There's an old cliche. I'm bound and determined. Anybody ever use that? Anybody ever use it? Man, I'm, I'm bound and determined. Anybody here bound and determined to come to church next Sunday? I hope so. I'm bound and determined. You know, uh, whew, let me just get this off my chest here. Just, I'm, I'm totally distracted now. Was it a catch or not a catch? If it was a catch, just raise your hand and say, it was a catch. <laughs> it was not a catch. It was a catch. In my heart, it was a catch. I was bound and determined. That's how I'm getting back. I was bound and determined. In fact, I'm texting my friend. He said, was it a catch? I said, it was a catch. And then they said, it's not a catch. Ah, it was a catch. And here we see Jesus in his commitment to Samaria. He's bound and determined. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. And we see through all his life, in fact, this phrase, this necessary because of being bound word, this necessary or must word is all throughout his life. Luke chapter 2, when he was a little boy, he got lost. You can't believe his parents lost him. He got lost in their minds. They were on their way back home. They thought that he was with some of the other family. They get a day's journey out and, and Mary goes, Jesus, Jesus, Joseph, Jesus, Jesus, where is Jesus? Is he with you? No, he's not with us. Where is Jesus? We left him. They'd arrested them back in the day. Left him and they go back and they find Jesus in the temple with the, with the, 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 the religious leaders and he's discussing the things of scripture. And you know what he had the audacity to tell his parents as a young boy? He said, I must be about my father's business. I'm bound and determined. Somebody say bound and determined. I'm bound and determined to be about my father's business. There's something on the inside of me that, ha that has to be accomplished in my life. He was committed. He was contagious because of his commitment to the call of God on his life. He was bound by the purposes of God in his life. He was determined by the purposes of God in his life. And we see in Luke chapter 4 verse 43, he says this, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom to other cities also. I'm bound and determined to preach the gospel in other cities also. Luke 9, and the Son of Man must suffer many things. 
the Son of Man is bound and determined to do what's necessary to pay the price. How many of you appreciate the fact that Jesus was bound and determined? Whoo! And you know at the latter moments of his life, that was tested. And he comes to the place of prayer and he says, if it's possible, he asked the Lord three times, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What happened there? The, the test of being bound and determined was established and he passed the test and he was bound and determined. John chapter 9 verse 4, he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no man can work. He said, I'm bound and determined to work the works of him who sent me, for the night's coming when no man can work. I love what Paul said. In fact, if we had time, we'd, I'd give you a little more detail. But Paul, in the, uh, uh, he, he knew that he was on his way to, to prison. But Acts 20, verse 22, even though he knew he was headed into harm's way, he said, I go bound by the Spirit to Jerusalem. Paul was what? Come on, say it. Bound and determined. That's being Intentional. And I got to ask us today. I got to ask me today. Beverly and I had this conversation. You know what? I'm sicking Beverly onto her, her. She's in physical therapy. She's getting her shoulder straight. She's got physical therapy tomorrow morning. Beverly, I'm asking you to be bound and determined with those folks. I'm going to be looking for people in my world who I can be bound and determined to make a difference in their life. Contagious Christians are committed. There's a commitment in their life. We're intentional because of our commitment to the call of Christ on our life. We've got to become bound and determined. There's a, I, I meet them all the time. Well, maybe so, maybe not kind of Christians. Maybe so, maybe not. Maybe yes, maybe no. Here I come. Kesara, sarah. Come on, folks. That's called what I call mamby-pamby, jelly-spine, who gives a flip kind of Christianity. It's time for us to awaken to who we are in Christ and begin to say, Whoo, I, hey, I've got the call of God on my life. I've got to be committed to the cause of Christ in my life. I've got to be contagious. I've got to be intentional with my witness. I've got to go out, if necessary, into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Amen. Contagious Christians are intentional with the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not accidental, but intentional with the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was intentional with his commitment. Number two, he was intentional with his connection. With this woman at the well, he was endeavoring to connect with her on a, on a spiritual plane where he could make a difference in his life. Listen, most people don't even hang around lost people. Most Christians got that, you know, either their nose in the air or their fear. Oh, you know, you got to watch those lost people you know, them lost people. How many of you thank God that when you were lost, somebody chose to connect with you? 
And Jesus was intentional with his connection. Hey, he connected by common interest. Now, this is important. A lot of us have common interests with, with, with other people who are not Christians or are either unchurched. We have common interests. We fish with them. We hunt with them. We work with them. We, we mow the grass. We do all these. We go to Kiwana's Club or whatever with them. And, and listen, Jesus connected with this woman on common interests. What was the common interest? It was obvious. How many of you know, I understand this more because of Agua Resources, everything revolves around the water. And so here she comes. And he connected, he said, oh, give me a drink. First thing she says was, what are you talking to me? You're a Jew and I'm, I'm from Samaria. The Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and he didn't let that bother him. He connected with her by common interest. Could I tell you, a lot of us, we just don't realize it. They're everywhere. We have common... Hey, let me just tell you, the people you work with, God put them in your life not just to help you get your job done. It's for the purpose of you helping them become born again. Hello, could I get a better amen? Number two, Jesus connected with this woman... Not only by common interest, but by crossing the bridge of prejudice. She said, what are you talking, flabbergasted her. What are you talking to me? You're a Jew, I'm not. Or Samaria, the, 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 the Jews have no dealings with the uh, Samaritans. What's going on? And he just didn't let that bother him. He crossed the bridge. Somebody said, you got to cross the bridge. Oh, we got all kinds of prejudices in this world. Not just racial prejudice. Did you know there's social prejudice? There's economic prejudice. There's all kinds of prejudices in the world. And a lot of people got these walls of prejudice. Well, you know, hey, we're going to evangelize. Well, I don't want to go down there to those poor folks. I don't want to go over here to these folks. I'm not sure about these people. I don't know about those people. Uh, and, and what we end up doing, we go to know people because we've got a wall of prejudice. Uh, we think evangelism, we pick and choose the way we want to, like cherry picking. It's not true. How I many of you know God loves us all just the same? We're all just the same in His eyes. Red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in his sight. Jesus connected to this woman because he was willing to cross a bridge. And I'm not talking about white people crossing over just to minister to black people. Come on now. I'm talking about black people crossing over and ministering to white people. Hey, we all have a responsibility to cross the bridge. He connected to her out of common interest. Out of crossing the bridge of prejudice. And number three, he connected to her by creating a curiosity in her life rather than a conflict. We've kind of gotten this world where evangelism is confrontational. Have you ever seen anybody that tried to evangelize from a confrontational standpoint? Now, I'm not, I gotta be careful here, but I've seen people, you call them street preachers. And I'm not against going right out in the broad open daylight and preaching the gospel. But listen, we're not trying to make people mad. We're trying to get them to take the bait. When I, <clears throat> when I go fishing, I don't get up on the front of the boat and start hollering at the fish. Okay, all you blankety-blank fish. I command you now, you sorry, no good. You get up in this. No, if I talk to them at all, it's real nice. 
And I give them some bait. And if they don't take that bait, I try some other bait. I create a curiosity and I can see that. I can sometimes you actually can see the fish down in the water. I, I love to when you can see them and you can see them and the curiosity just pick they come. And something on the inside of that fish goes, I need it. I want it. I gotta have it. Ooh. And then you set the hook, right? Somebody say, set the hook. Now, it's the same way. Jesus, he, was, he created her a curiosity in her life. He said, well, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me, and I'd give you fresh water. I'd give you living water. And she went, huh, what are you talking about? You're talking about water? I never have to come here and drink. Uh, I got to get me some of that. Listen, people, we need to be contagious and get people curious about who we are and what's going on in our life and, and, and all the things about us. Don't try to, it's not a conflict. Listen, the only enemy we have is the antichrist spirit who's trying to hush your mouth. That's our enemy. The world should be our friend. As we reach out to them and we connect with them, Jesus created a curiosity in her heart rather than a conflict in her life. And then number three, Jesus was intentional not only with his commitment and not only with the way he connected with this woman, but with how he communicated with this woman. He communicated with her by way of a relationship. He began to build a relationship with this woman. He began to get into her boat, if you will. He began to talk to her about her world. He began to talk to her and ease into her life. And listen, that's what we've got. Listen, we got to make friends with some lost people. Well, they might tempt me and they might. Hey, listen, uh, they might get saved. Amen. How many of you know the light is always uh, exposes the darkness? And let me encourage you to be intentional with relationships with people who do not know Jesus Christ. Get into the world. You would be shocked at how fast you can get into somebody's life when all of a sudden you become relational with them and they begin to let the guard down and you get into their world and say, let me pray with you about that. Let me tell you something, what the Bible says. And you begin to get into the world because you've built a relationship. Jesus com communicated with her through relationship. And then in the end, you know what he did? I'm the Christ. All you have to do is have a relationship with me and you'll have living water. Amen. He communicated with her, not only relationally, but he communicated prophetically. Now listen carefully. Listen, we've got the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. Listen, I said this earlier. What would happen if we began to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let him move through us and speak through us to people? You want to break down some wall? You want to get up all into some no person's life? You start letting the Holy Ghost come upon you and let him speak prophetic unction in your life. She did with him. She, uh, she, or she did with, he did with her. He said, listen, go get your husband. He knew what was going on. He knew all about it. God had given him a prophetic word. Well, I don't have one. Yeah, you're right. You don't have one. You've got five and the one you live in with now he, you don't have papers on him and she said "Woo, you are a prophet 
Think about how that would change if you woke up every day and said, God, give me a prophetic unction on me today. Give me a prophetic insight into the world around me today. Let me begin to, uh, uh, to step out and speak prophetically into people's life. I'm going to tell you, when you let, let's, just, let's just get, let's just get, how many of you got some people in your world who are hurting right now? You know them, they're hurting. They've probably told you they were hurting. Listen, that's an opportunity for the Holy Ghost. Whoo, man, you got people who have needs in their life. You get, hey, tonight when you go home, in the morning when you get up, you say, God, give me a prophetic unction. And I want to challenge you. Not, hey, let's don't wait for March 15th. Let's jump all in, off into the deep end. Let's get up in the morning and, and let's just call them, email them, text them, go over and see them. Listen, I've been praying for you. Whoo. I know you told me you had needs and I've just been praying for you and I came to tell you that God's in control of this and he wants to touch you and help you and you just see what the Holy Ghost might not begin to do in your life and through you as you intentionally communicate prophetically into the lives of those who so desperately need Christ. And let me close. He not only communicated relationally and prophetically, but he communicated truthfully. Now listen carefully. Sin will always separate you from God. That's the whole problem. The reason people are lost is because sin separated them from God. Are you with me? We tiptoe around the tulips with people. And we refuse to speak the truth in love. Paul said, hey, we speak the truth in love. Hey, listen. If it's sin, it's sin. We don't condemn sin. How many of you know sinners are condemned already? Are you with me? Come on. We don't condemn the sinner they're already condemned because they're living in sin, because they're under the spell of sin. You see, before you accepted Christ in your life, you're on your way to hell in a hurry. Are you with me? But Jesus was willing to get up right in the middle of her life and say, listen, let me tell you, you got issues. You're a sinner. And that's what's separating you from God, is your sin. And there comes a point, listen carefully. With everybody we deal with, when God opens a door, we've got to tell them we're all sinners and we've all been separated. Our sins have separated us from God. And that's why you can't be, have peace in your heart at night. That's why you, you seem hopeless in your life is because your sins have separated you from God. But let me tell you today, He was hung up for your hangups. He paid for your sin on the cross. With his blood that was shed to wash you white as snow. We've got to be truthful. You know what Jesus said? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't be good enough to get to God. You can't be sweet enough to make it into heaven. The truth is we're all sinners separated from God until we invite Him into our heart and ask Him to forgive us of our sin be the Lord and the leader of our life and believe that He died for us and paid a great price and rose again the third day we're all hopeless and without Him. God's calling us all 
to be intentional with who we are. I am salt and I am light. As I said earlier, the result of Jesus being intentional with one little woman who was all messed up was not only was she born again, but the city began to hear the gospel. And hundreds and hundreds of people made commitments to Christ. What do you think would happen if a few of us in this room begin to arise every day and say, I'm bound and determined to make a difference in the world. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for for others. It's not about me. It's about those who have yet to name the name of Christ. And as we close today, may this be a day And here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say in my heart. This is what I felt this morning. That this very well could be the most important message any one of you have ever heard in all your life. The opportunity to turn this thing around. And say no to the Antichrist spirit. That is threatening us. Intimidating us. To speak no further in that name. And turn and say yes to the cross and to Calvary. And begin to kneel at the cross and say, Lord Jesus, look upon their threatenings. They're threatening me to hush my mouth, to be ineffective and non contagious. I'm asking you, Lord, to keep doing what you do. Lord, I'll keep sharing your word. I'll speak truthfully and prophetically. And I'll reach out to a world that is lost and without Christ. I want us to stand together today. And you know what? Today in this room, I don't want to be naive to think that all of us here in this room have already given our lives to Christ. We won't be here long, but listen, let's bow our heads before God. It's right up noon. I'll be done in just a moment. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ and you've never become a Christian, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to lead you to Jesus, just like Jesus led the the woman by the well to a place of revelation in her life. I want to lead you to that place today with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I, I, that's me. I, 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 I don't think I've ever really given my life to Christ and I don't know that I know Him and I've, I've never experienced the forgiveness of God in my life. And today, something on the inside of me says it's time for me. Just like Linda said, it's time for me to give my life to Christ. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know today is your day, to become born again, to be his child. Lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor, today. I need, to, I need to give my life to the control of Jesus Christ. Anyone here before we go? 
If you're here today and you know you've given your life to Christ, but you know you're not really serving Him, you're not really following after Him, you, you've kind of slid a little bit in your commitment to Christ, and you can say, today I'm turning it around. I, I'm not being what Jesus said I am, and I want to be what He says I am, and I'm not that, and today I want to make a fresh commitment to my walk with God. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, today we bow our heads at the close of this service and we ask you to help us live the life that you've called us to live. And Father, if we've strayed from you, we turn our hearts toward you and we turn our hearts towards home and we ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and help us, Lord. And today we ask you to help us be contagious be what you've called us to be what you've commissioned us to be what you've commanded us to be what you've compelled us to be help us be intentional today not just next week not even tomorrow but today we thank you for it in Jesus name now before I say amen today I'm going to ask us if you, if you feel comfortable. If not, that's fine. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's just ask the Lord to let this message of being intentional with who God says we are to set up residence in our life. Father, we ask you to help us not be accidental with our Christian life, but influential and intentional how we live our life for those who so desperately need you. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...